Hey, Mom on Pop listeners, this is your host, John Tatey, and it's time for another installment, a tweener installment, if you will, of the Mom on Pop podcast, where my mom, Bonnie Tatey, you know and love her, weighs in on all sorts of pop culture. And on our in-between episodes, uh, every other week, we like to talk about a uh, retro TV show that Mom and I uh, both enjoy. And then we play Was Abby Right, where we look at some recent Dear Abby letters in the newspaper, and uh, Mom and I basically judge Abby and see if she got the questions right. Right, Mom? That's right. We like to sit in judgment of uh, Dear Abby's uh, advice. Or anyone. <laughs> or That's right. We like to sit in judgment of anyone, but on the tweener episodes, especially in judgment of Dear Abby. But first this week, Mom, let's just spend a few minutes chatting about Match Game, which uh, I've been watching a lot lately, and uh, I don't know about lately watching a lot for quite a while now yeah uh, do you watch the match game regularly i do and uh, you're watching the 70s version right i that's guess that's right. the only one they show really uh there was a so match game started out in the 60s and uh, they had some they had very boring uh fill in the blank questions uh, that celebrities would would try to match uh like what is an example of? like just something like john went to the store to buy a blank uh, have you ever seen any of those episodes? I have seen, uh, you know, I've just seen clips, really, you know, like 15-minute okay. clips of them. I'm not sure how many of them survive, even, but... Right, that's a good point. I have seen excerpts of them. So it started out very boring, and then it was about to be canceled, and uh, but they still had a few weeks left on the order after they were canceled. So the writers started coming up with uh, more salacious questions, questions that... Could be a little bit naughtier if you had the mind for it, such as uh, John always likes to put butter on his blank. Uh, and uh, the show's ratings went up and NBC renewed it. It lasted for a number of years in the 60s. And then the 70s revival is the one that everyone remembers. And it was really was built on these uh, jokey questions uh, filled with innuendo. Filled with innuendo. Uh, dumb Dora was so dumb. Is a is a classic setup. A lot of classic match game setups here. Uh, Mom, what do you love about the match game? I I love the spontaneity of it. Yeah. Um, even even though everybody on it pretty much is dead, <laughs> I love the I love how free they were. And you know, sometimes when Dad and I watch it together, obviously the silliest answer you could say is penis. Right. You know, which we think is sort of funny, but that never comes up. It's all, it's agreed that will not be an answer, you know, on the show. Right. You got to keep it clean. You got to keep it clean. So that makes it even more interesting because, as, as you say, John always puts butter on his blank. You know, it's very funny to fill that in with a naughty word. But sort of tricky to come up with something that might match. Yeah, but then even funnier, in my opinion, to come up with something that's not dirty. Like, I. Exactly. The, the beauty of the f show is that it's funny to have that naughty answer pop into your head. Right. But then there's not a lot of humor left in actually coming out and saying and it. And saying right? it. Exactly. Exactly. So then there's another joke when, you know, you find out what the celebrity said instead. And nose was a common um, penis substitute right, right. in the answers. But uh, you'd often have the celebrities being more clever. And that's that's what made it so much fun. 
That's right. And sometimes making whoopee was an answer also. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, uh, here's, here's a question for you. Ready? Ready. Paul said, I just saw the world's strangest wedding. Instead of a regular suit, the groom was wearing a blank suit. <laughs> now, this uh, would probably be around one question because there's so many different answers for it. Now, what do you think is the perfect answer to that one? Suit, a blank suit? Yeah. Swim. Swim suit, that's a good one. Uh, birthday suit, I think, is oh, a winner Oh, that's then. better. Yeah, I think that's probably the definitive answer, as Jean yeah. used to say. Uh, who yeah, were and your... there always was some argument over, uh, sometimes there was arguments over what was the definitive answer. Well, yeah, definitely. And the audience would get into it. The audience was was another character on the show. So they'd have these six panelists, if you're not familiar with the show, and they'd ask one of these questions that you've just heard of the uh, contestant. And then the six celebrities would all write down their answer on a card and the contestant would give their answer. And the idea is to match as many of the celebrities as possible each time. Although the idea really is to sort of goof around and, and have fun. Right. Um, you do have to have a good sense of humor to be a good match game contestant, but that's about it. There's not a ton of skill involved. Uh, but, that is true. But sometimes it's re- very funny to have somebody come on that is that lacks a sense of humor and says something very serious every time because it just sounds so dumb. Yeah, I mean, that was part of the genius of the show is you've got the celebrities. Probably a number of them are going to come up with clever answers, especially since usually four of them would be people who were very familiar with with Match Game. And then you'd have two, the two celebrities on the left would be, you know, more star of the week type things. Right, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you'd have the humor of the celebrities coming up with their answers, and then you'd have the contestants coming up with their I think sometimes the contestants answer bad answers could be the funniest of all. Right. Yeah. And Gene was very good at playing that up. Yeah. He was kind of ruthless with the contestant. It could be somewhat mortifying to be uh, a player on the show, I think. But uh, yeah, Gene would always uh, make sure that the contestant was gently, but uh, thoroughly humiliated by their rotten answers, as he would put it. Right. Most people laughed and had a good time yeah, with it. Yeah, it was all in good fun. You want another match game question? It's kind of fun. Well, I first of all would like to ask you, you know, Charles Nelson Riley is my favorite. Oh, you want to talk about the panelists? Yeah, we should talk about it. A little bit. Um, so the regular panelists were, yes, Charles Nelson Riley, who's probably the most famous, at least the most famous for being a match game panelist of all the folks on the show, yeah. right? I think that's who yeah. people remember the most. Sitting next to him was Brett Summers, uh, Jack Klugman's estranged wife, uh, which she would remind you of from time to time. Yeah. That she was married to Jack Klugman. Uh, and I think Brett was the secret genius of of the panel. I think she often came up with the funniest answers and the, uh, the sparring, the verbal sparring she would engage in with Charles never ceased Charles. to be funny. Oh Lord, he would he would uh, give her the most pathetic answer award regularly, <laughs> yes. and yes. Um, they just, they really seem to have a good time together. Those two, yeah, always sniping at each other. Um, and then uh, you had Richard Dawson in the middle of the bottom row, and he was probably the best player. Yeah. Right, he was the best at matching the contestants, especially in the bonus round, to the point that they almost inevitably uh, choose would choose him. Right. 
but he did become somewhat sour as his fame grew uh, and he wanted off the show because he got the family feud job and then his ego just became enormous. I didn't really understand that. I, I just think he had a huge ego. I think that's all there is to it. And he got, really? and the breaking point on match game for him was when the producers introduced the star wheel for the bonus round in which the contestant, uh, the celebrity of the contestant had to match for the big jackpot was then chosen at random instead of the contestant's choice. Cause they, for years and years, they had pretty much always chosen Richard. Richard. Right. And it was surprising when somebody didn't. It was, it was. It was, and it was Rich- like committing Harry Carey. Oh. <laughs> and Richard would grumble about it whenever someone picks up someone else, too. I know. You know, I think he was, a, he was a brat the way he acted, but I also think the star wheel was so dumb. What was the harm in people choosing Richard? It seems, I don't know, it seems so benign now. It it does. It does seem benign. And, you know, they why why wouldn't they want to have the best chance at winning some money? Uh, yeah. And Rich, plus, Richard was good at it. He's all he'd always draw out the suspense. You know, he really viewed that as his part of the show, the bonus right. round. And I don't see why not. I don't see the harm in letting him have that. And, and, you know, they gave him the family feud show. So obviously they thought, he had something too. I don't. He I had don't know. Some talent, yeah. But he was uh, he was a bear to work with, uh, and the I mean, on Family Feud, he would often be very nasty to uh, the producer of that show, whose uh, his name is evading me right now, escaping me rather. His name is escaping me right now. But the producer on Family Feud would take stick from Richard so much on the air. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? Boy, sometimes I watch reruns and he just comes out and, and uh, boy, he's real nasty to him. And, you know, it he passes it off as a joke, but knowing yeah. the history of the show, I know that it's right. all quite quite real. Right, right. Well, he was a little gross with kissing everybody, too. I think, ugh. Yeah, yeah. But on Match Game, uh, he he could be quite a lot of fun. Well, he could be quite a lot of fun on Family Feud, too, but he was just kind of a son of a bitch. Pardon my language on my Well, I was trying to end on something nice, so there I go for <laughs> trying enough. to be nice. Well, I think he was a he was so kind to the families. It's that's a strange thing. Is I, he was kind of the stereotypical game show host in that he was smiley and kissy with the contestants and just a monster behind the scenes. May he rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do here. Well, let's talk. You know, this doesn't work when I try to be nice. It just doesn't work for me. Well, it's my fault. I'm, uh, I, let's remember Richard Dawson happily. How's that? All right. I remember him quite fondly. And I also remember the people who would sit in the sixth spot on the panel. The last spot on the panel. Yep. uh, Would always be a woman. And to me, this was the hardest spot to occupy. Oh, the worst. Because the first five celebrities have all given their answers. The question has been read three or four times at this point, and yeah. almost all the energy has been milked out, and it's the sixth person's job to come to come up with something new. So sometimes there was quite a dingbat sitting in that seat. Well, uh, Patty Deutsch uh, was uh, kind of a loopy, quirky contestant. Uh, I'm trying to think. Elaine Joyce. Wait, yeah. No, no. Elaine Joyce always sat in the fourth position. Did she? I'm not sure yeah. about that, but I'll... I'll... Uh, all right, I'm going to tell you who sat in that seat. Yeah. It was the best. Yeah. Fanny Flagg. Fanny Flagg was the best. Uh... Oh, and you know who else was very good? 
Mrs. Mrs. Krabappel, what was her name? Uh, Marsha Wallace. Marsha Wallace. Marsha Wallace was great in that spot. Uh, Joyce Boulafont also was in the sixth spot a lot too. Yes. It's kind yeah. of it. And and you know, and I'm gonna tell you who else was in there. Betty White. Betty White. I mean, this is these are some great uh female comedians they had in there, and they had to be. But yeah, Fanny Flagg and Joyce Boulafont played kind of these ditzy types, although Fanny Flagg was smarter than she let on. Um, Definitely. And maybe Joyce Boulafont was too, although she seemed to own the uh, Ditz persona a little more yes. than Fanny ever did. Yeah. Uh, Betty White would work a little blue. She'd have some shrewd innuendo often yes. um, or some loopy take on it. Uh, and who were the others? Patty Deutsch and Joyce. And who was the. I forget. There's Marcia. some. Oh, Marsha Wallace. Marsha Wallace um, would often have kind of a cutting angle on the joke, on the question. She was a sharp lady. She was. She was sharp. Uh, Joyce Boulevard was my least favorite. Oh, why is that? She just annoyed. I think it was her voice, maybe. Too cute. Too cutesy. I think she's the only one we've talked about who's still alive. Maybe Patty, Patty Deutsch is alive. Patty Deutsch is alive. Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Um, it used to be tough for me. She is indeed still alive. Uh, it used to be tough for me to uh, watch these knowing that so many of the people had died. But as we've said before on the podcast, now I find it kind of beautiful because they they still seem alive on TV and That's they right. continue to live on that way. And, and and I took that to heart and and really started to enjoy Match Game very much because I kept thinking, oh, wouldn't I have loved to have met Charles Nelson Riley? What a yeah. What a what an interesting guy. What a, just what an interesting fella he was. Fella. Yeah, yeah, he was an interesting fella. Have you seen the documentary about him? Not the documentary, but his uh, the film of his one man show. No. Yeah, you should check that out. What is it called? Um, I'm gonna look it up, and then we're gonna cut out the time it took for me to look it up, and I'm gonna okay. sound like a genius. Ready? You always sound ready, like listeners. A I'm gonna pull it right out of my head. Here we go. Life of Riley. It was called. You could have made that up. You could have, yeah. Okay. Um, he doesn't talk about Match Game. I think he mentions it in passing once. Yeah. Uh, but it's really just about his life. And I'm going to look that up because I would should. love to see that. It's worth it. And they, they filmed it right before he died, so it really is kind of a capstone to his career. Wow. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. All right. That was good. We had a little recommendation at the end of our uh, nostalgia segment. Yeah. Now, yeah, for me at least. Now it is time for judgment. It is time for us to judge Dear Abby, our nation's leading syndicated advice columnist, uh, as we play Was Abby Right? Now these are letters taken from recent Dear Abby columns, and I'm just going to read them out, and then Mom and I are going to debate the, the advice for the lovelorn. Isn't that what it used to be? Advice That's what it for used the lovelorn? When did they stop calling it that? I don't know. Because it's not always lovelorn people. Oh, no. There's some real weirdos on here. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to start with bride-to-be upset when X gets job at wedding oh. venue. Got that one? Yeah. Okay. Dear Abby, I am marrying a wonderful man I love dearly. We have planned a dream wedding for ourselves rather quickly. I secured the venue we wanted. There was no other place or date available to us as backup. At this point, we would lose thousands if we cancel. 
After months of meetings and negotiations with the woman who manages the facility, I was shocked to receive a text message from my last ex-boyfriend informing me that he is the new general manager of the venue and will be my point person of contact from now on. Things did not end well in our relationship, and he still owes me money from a loan I gave him right before the breakup. This is extremely upsetting for me. I can't imagine having to plan my wedding with someone who mistreated me and took advantage, nor do I want to see him on my wedding day. How do I express this to the staff I worked with until this point so that I won't sound bitter or petty? I know people can't steal our happiness unless we let them, but he was not part of the equation when we chose this location, and we can't move our nuptials to avoid him. Please help me see a way out of this because I feel trapped. Signed, Blushing Bride. And Dear Abby responds, Dear Bruth... Boy, that's hard to say. Dear Blushing Bride. Say that five times fast. Yeah. Dear Blushing Bride, if you have been working with a wedding planner, that person could be the point of contact with this man rather than you. If you don't have one, you and your fiancé, or your maid of honor, should contact your ex and inform him that you both prefer he have no part in planning the wedding, and you would prefer he remain out of sight when it occurs. If he gives you any trouble, contact the owner of the facility, explain your predicament, and ask that person to intervene. If that's problematic, then you may have to involve an attorney to see what your options are. An attorney? Christ! I agree. All right. Uh, Was Abby right here, Mom? Um, I'm going to say that maybe she was right in 1950. (laughs) Okay. Why do you think her advice is outdated? I I would have been in my car and down there, lickety-split, and said to whoever, in no way, shape, or form is this guy to have anything to do with it. Yeah, just handle it yourself. Yes. I would let them know who I am. I I don't want to see this guy on the grounds. I don't want to see him anywhere near. Yeah, kind of creepy, too, that he's like, I'm going to be your contact from now on. Well, and what kind of an idiot is he? Well, I think... He's looking to piss her off, don't you think? Do you think so? Uh, I mean, to to text her, to let her know, and to make himself the point of contact instead of saying, hey, maybe you better handle this, you know, junior manager or, or whatever. That's what a mature person would do. I'd have a lot of trouble with this. Let me come at it from another point of view, though, is the underlying okay. assumption, and the blushing bride says it a couple of times, is that we couldn't possibly be married anywhere else. Right, rah, rah, rah. Right. And that, you know, my wife and I had a nice wedding. I mean, well, we had a nice ceremony. Our wedding was at the, uh, you know, city courthouse, and it took five minutes. But right. we had a, a nice ceremony, pretty modest ceremony. And I came out of it with the belief that a wedding is a beautiful party and it's a wonderful day to be surrounded by the people who love you and who you love. And that's all it's about. It's about the people. This whole dream wedding stuff is, I find, so obnoxious. Just oh, I agree. Just have your wedding wherever and nobody gives it gives a crap. I was going to say something nastier, but this is mom on pop. I should be polite. Um, Why? <laughs> Are we going to start that? Is no. that one of our rules? No, you're right. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody Where cares. the wedding is. You know, you had your wedding at City Hall, which I thought was kind of fun. But then you had another wedding 
up here in New Hampshire that was pretty lovely with lots of family and friends, and I thought it was just perfect. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all decked out, and we didn't have everything magical. And right, there wasn't a there wasn't a unicorn that drove you to the venue, and it was just a nice get together. I almost find that unhealthy because it builds up the wedding, so the marriage so much as this fairy tale, and then you know what? The next day, you're still the same people. That's right. You're, yes, you're very much in love, and after the, after the wedding, I was just brimming with with you know your your feelings of affection are heightened certainly by right. the wedding right right but yeah. you know it doesn't last that long and then you're just back to being the people you were and living your life together and that's what marriage is it's not about that's this fairy tale is. high uh, so I just find it I I'm really on nobody's side in this in this letter I have to say well I have to say I'm I'm I just think if if it can't be arranged that you don't have to see him and whatever, uh, cut your losses because that's that will be the focus of your day. Him, absolutely, absolutely. Not your wedding. Yep, I agree. Have it in your backyard. Have right, exactly. Have it in your mother's living room, and then have the party a couple of weeks later someplace else, or whatever. All right. This, this was an irritating letter. Yeah, I agree. That's why I picked it. Yeah. Oh. Um, now, this next letter, uh, this is the next letter in the same column. It's a quickie, and I found it somewhat baffling. Speaking of 1950s, boy. Yeah. Uh, the heading is Perfect Men and Expensive Cars Both Need Customizing. Dear Abby, why do women spend half their lives in search of the perfect man? And then, when they find him, spend the other half trying to change him. Inquiring mind, Corpus Christi, Texas. And Abby replies, Dear inquiring mind, I suspect it's for the same reason a man will buy a beautiful, expensive new car and then customize it. <laughs> well, didn't wasn't this a joke in The New Yorker in about 1942? <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's, you know, this isn't clever, funny, interesting, poignant. You know, if you gotta, if you have a specific bitch, let's hear it. Bring it on. I want to hear it. But this... this it's not even like, true. Why do uh, women spend half their lives in search of the perfect man? I'm pretty sure that women, if they're looking for a man, are just looking for, like, a good enough yeah. guy. Men are terrible. So yeah. many of them are just non-functional, broken, don't know how to live their own lives, let alone a life with someone else. And I'm sorry to, you know, rail against my own species here, but uh, it's the truth. So I think that women who are looking for men are not looking for the perfect man. No. Right? They're just looking right. for a good man. A good man. Right. <laughs> Which is hard enough. Uh, well, exactly. You know, that that you can find... Uh, uh, 10 points that you agree on, you know, snap it up, take it to the altar. Let's go. You know, <laughs> I don't know. You know, are, and, and, and what are they, what is he, you know, this is a man that got irritated because his wife was, was pissed off at him that he spent Sunday afternoon drinking a beer with his hand down his pants. Cause that's how men sit when they're relaxing. Why do you sit like that? Why do you have to put your hands in your waistbands? But anyway, um, what am I talking about? 
Dear Abby, the Dear Abby letter. Wait. Right, right, right. You think he's complaining that his wife is trying to change him? Yes. Don't change me. I am who I am. Right, right. Love me, love my stink. <laughs> and I think actually, I, there's this notion too that women try to change men. And I think that both in a marriage, you both change each other, don't you? Like, I I've think been so. changed by Anna, but for the better. Well, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it's it's grounding. It's you know focusing. It's uh, it's stimulating. You can find things to talk about, and and maybe you agree on some things and you disagree on other things. But I think if if Anna said to you, um, Johnny, you've been wearing that shirt for three days, which you would never do, you know, that would probably be a good suggestion for you to change your shirt. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So this right. is all teed up for Abby, and then she does this expensive car thing, which, first of all, is an example that very few people can relate to. I know! It kind of dog-legged off into, what? What is she talking about? I have no idea. I, I don't think she could find, think of a good answer, so she just said this, <laughs> and it left me scratching my head. It's not a very good analogy. It's terrible! It's terrible. All right. So was Abby right on this one? I think we're both saying I, I no. Know, I just didn't. I just think it's an F because it just irritates me. <laughs> Train wreck. It was stupid. I agree. So, and really, who sits down and, and writes a, takes 15 minutes and writes a letter like that? Uh, people who still read the newspaper. Uh, well, I beg your pardon. <laughs> <laughs> I read it for the comics. I know, I know. You can read them online. I know. I read it because I get two puzzles every day. Hey, there's nothing wrong with reading it. I'm just kidding around. Well, except for the Sunday paper, which I'm sure the Concord Monitor publishes them all in January. <laughs> oh, yeah, the news is a little stale. Oh, my God, it's the most... It, there is no news. It's all like, uh, uh, oh, bittersweet plant. Very bittersweet. You know, it's... It's, there's no news. There's no news in, in the in the Sunday paper. Wait, so the headline is bittersweet plant, very bittersweet? Yes. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then it's a big article about bittersweet. <laughs> okay. You should uh, feel sorry for me. I don't get any news on Sunday unless I get on the internet. Um, so you still get the Concord Monitor, no union leader for you. Uh, I don't know if they deliver here anymore. Oh, really? Oh, the bunch of right-wing wackos anyway. Are they? Yeah, they're pretty, yeah. Well, gotta... they do carry the cryptogram, though, which I don't get, so. The crypto quip? Yeah, the crypto quip. Uh, I used to, Boo used to love the crypto quip. Yep, he did. Boo, your father. I'm going to have to explain that every time, because you can't just toss Boo out there. If only we'd called him Grandpa, but I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't. Well, I don't think he would have liked that. No. No. I'm sure he would have even rather you called him Uncle Boo. Oh, yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, sorry, I laughed through that. You probably can't understand it. Okay, last one we're going to do is Husband Ridicules Wife's Emotional Family Memorials, <laughs> which is a headline I couldn't resist, and this one is really peculiar. I think there's a lot for us to pick apart here. You ready? I'm ready. Dear Abby, our parents have been dead for 25 years. 
Along the way, we have also lost sisters, nieces, and cousins. I like that you laugh at that opening I'm line. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It isn't funny. It's I hilarious. It's not funny. <laughs> Every year when we gather for a family reunion, part of it is a candle lighting and spoken remembrance of those loved ones we have lost. Some in my family get teary-eyed or cry. It's kind of the same thing, I think, but all right, I'm going to move on. I shouldn't be nitpicking the addiction here. My husband refuses to attend my family reunions because of this. He says my relatives have issues and need to see a mental health professional. <laughs> he makes fun of us and the way we are together. I have a large family with many offspring. Do you agree we are, quote, crazy for the remembrance and the tears? Signed, loves my family in Georgia. And Abby replies, dear loves, no, I do not. During a ceremony such as you have described, tears can be a healthy display of emotion. However, I do think your husband's comments are insensitive and judgmental, and he's doing the right thing for everyone by staying away. Feeling as he does, far away is where he belongs. Yeesh. I think Abby... I think Abby kind of steered clear of some of the hinted at issues underlying yes. this letter, <laughs> right? Yes, this is one where she said, I'm just going to answer the question. Right, I'm just going to focus on the question and not, because, so, it seems that these people have a family reunion every year to talk about death. Well, that's what it sounds like, <laughs> right? but, you know, maybe it's a 10-minute thing, I don't know. I'd, it could be. Yes, it could be perfectly benign, and it could, in fact, be a, a beautiful memorial. But there's something about it that sounds off to me. There, it's, It does sound, uh, and maybe it's the candle lighting, because I'm picturing that taking some amount of time. And spoken remembrance, which can get maudlin. I, yeah, I, I bet. And I bet everybody needs to say something. I'm just wondering what could get this to a point where her husband would say, you people are crazy and you need to get therapy. Because as rude as he probably is being, I just sense that there is some kernel of truth to it. In what he's saying. Right. <laughs> Which well, Abby completely disregards. That, that she doesn't get. And I'm going to tell you what I think it is. Okay? Yeah. yeah. I think there's no alcohol at this family reunion. <laughs> yeah. That's what I think, because I think if everybody got drunk or tipsy, you know, not drunk. But, yeah, you know, I get it. Yeah, had a couple drinks. Right. That you would say a few things. It would be, you know, a, a candle lighting. You know, we miss him. Wasn't he a great soccer player? Uh, didn't he enjoy Halloween? Horses, yeah. Horses and, on Halloween, yep. Yeah. And let's. And then what? I don't know if you blow the candle out. I haven't really thought it through, but... I guess uh, at some point you have to. But, you know, if this is a candle for everybody we've lost, uh, that's pretty nutty, I well, think. Well, and let me tell you what... The, the letter begins, Our parents have been dead for 25 years. Now, of course, these are edited and, and condensed, but it, it just it's strange to me that that's the opener, and it makes me wonder... Like, are the parents memorialized every... Every year. Year. That's the question, isn't it? If it's all... If it's everybody every year, 
Yeah, then I think that's a bit much. And let's look at the sentence. Along the way, we have also lost sisters, nieces, and cousins. Now, that makes it sound like a lot of people. It does. It's but getting, yeah. sisters, nieces, and cousins, like you could have one person who was all three of those things, right? So I, I also wonder how many people have actually, not that I'm wishing for more death, but I think that the letter writer is very vague about who and how is being memorialized here. Well, if it was like the Academy Awards where you just did in this past year, yes. I think that's nice. I think that would be very nice. Because maybe everybody doesn't get together for a funeral. Right, exactly. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I love that they have the annual family reunion. And yes, I agree that an annual remembrance is a nice idea. But yeah, I think you and I agree that there's something about this letter that makes it feel like there maybe is something over the top about these. Maybe a little over, yeah. And I, I do like that she says he makes fun of us and the way we are together. I wish that had been fleshed out a little bit. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I would love to hear the husband's side of this because I think oh, he's got some stories. You? Yeah, that's really. I want the husband to write into Dear Abby now and say, actually, Abby, let me lay it out for you. Right. Right. Everybody gets dressed up in their funeral clothes. And uh, yeah, that would be very interesting. Boy, he got out of going to the family reunion, though, which is good for him. That's a good now, trick. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you this because yeah. do you see? There's a thing at the at the bottom that says um, something like more discussion or something. Oh, add your comments to the discussion. Yeah. There's 344 comments, and one of <laughs> one of them says. I'd grab one generous drink and the cake and be out of there. <laughs> yeah. You see that? No, I don't see that, but there's a lot of comments along those lines. Oh, my God. This definitely sounds like a run-screaming type of gathering to me. So, see, we were we were right. Yeah, a lot of the com—I'm looking through the comments now, and a lot of them do agree, yeah. Yeah, this sounds depressing. Every reunion starts out as another combined funeral. Yeah, exactly. So we were right on. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I don't know if commenters agreeing with us means we're right on, but uh, at least we're not alone. At least we're not alone. And I didn't realize that there were these comments <laughs> about people's letters. Oh, yeah. People love to comment on the uh, on Slate on their advice column, Dear Prudence. That gets 10 times the comments of the biggest article elsewhere on the site. People love Is to comment right? on an advice column. Oh, yeah. Well, anybody can have an opinion on these letters, right? Well, is Dear Prudence about sex? No, it's Dear Prudence is really very similar to Dear Abby. Okay. Yeah. Because what is the one, Strange Love? Is that all about Savage sex? Love. What is it? Savage Love. Savage Love. Yeah, we used to get uh, the print onion uh, delivered to the house for a while. I forget it was... Uh, it was a gift or, or whatever, and uh, we'd have it in the bathroom, and then one day Mom discovered the Savage Love column in the AV Club section, and uh, did you did you pull it out every time after that so that Jenna wouldn't see it? I don't know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happened, and I think you're being <laughs> evasive right now, so I'm going to just confirm for the listeners that that is what went down. She probably could have taught me a thing or two. <laughs> Well, once the internet existed, I think the cat is is out of the bag on all these things. That's why I think this all these sex ed debates uh, are, are so stupid. Because if you don't teach the kids, they're just going to find out on the internet. Is that what you want? 
Well, I, I think you're right. Um, and I have to say that some of the things that I've learned just by talking to you, you know, not that we talk about, well, that didn't come out right. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, that, though. That didn't come out right at all. But like with some of the stuff that we've reviewed, there's stuff out there that I didn't even know existed. Right, like the girls episode we reviewed where Marnie exactly. gets Exactly. We don't special. need to talk about that again. Right, okay. So Abby was, Abby was wrong on all three. Is that what we decided? I, I think so. And, that you know, I sent you all those com, uh, columns when Anna came home, but I didn't think there was any winners in any of them. No. I think she just has, she comes at it from a different angle. She comes at it from a very straight ahead angle. And maybe that's how the column is really meant to be written, is we can read the between the lines. But I don't know. Actually, I think a good advice columnist does read between the lines. So I just think that Abby's gotten a little lazy. Well, and I think that's right. And I think that's why all those letters were not very interesting, that perhaps the subjects were interesting, but her answers kind of dulled any any interest that could have been there yeah yeah anyway i'm looking forward to somebody that you know finds women's underwear in the glove box and <laughs> whatnot I, i'm ready for something a little spicier than this yeah okay uh yeah because dear abby's supposed to be a little salacious well it's supposed to be entertaining isn't it yeah it is well so I, entertain it, me i in fairness i think these were pretty entertaining letters all right Except for the uh, why do women try to change men one, which is just stupid. Yeah, that was that was very dumb. Okay, well that does it for another tweener episode of Mom Mod Pop. Mom, thanks for your uh, advice column insights. And yours. And uh, remember to be ready to match the stars uh, match game. It's on GSN. It's on the Buzzer Network. Check your local listings. Thank you and for listening. It's list- on the Game Show Network also. Yeah, that's that's, that's what I said. GSN. I'm trying to wrap up the show here, Ma. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoy the podcast, please review us on iTunes and or tell your friends. For Bonnie Tatey, I'm John Tatey. So long for now.